Welcome back to Q&A with Father Jay. I am your host, the man on fire, John Sablon. And with me, as usual, is my dear priest friend, Father Jay Mello. Welcome back, Father. Hey, buddy. How are you? I am doing well and blessed. We are moving and grooving along in the Lenten season. Enjoyed our last episode as we were talking about really what is the point of Lent and really just having a discussion on sin, Father. You know, things that... uh, Sometimes people don't want to talk about. So I really enjoyed our last conversation and uh, episode, and I uh, imagine that our listeners did as well. And so we want to continue that a little bit as we um, kind of break into the part that involves us that a little bit more, right? The, the traditional practices of Lent and uh, really what are those, which people probably have heard it often and um, probably at nauseum during the Lenten season as we prepare for it. But we wanted to kind of talk about the things that we hear that we should be doing in Lent, which is prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. So, Father, let's start with that. Are those are those the three major traditions of the Lenten practice? And let's start to unpack that for our listeners on what does it really mean? Sure. Um, yeah, they are they are the the foundation of the Lenten season. Uh, every year on Ash Wednesday is the gospel we hear. Jesus addressing his disciples. Uh, and making clear clear comparisons of how we are to to pray fast and give alms in contrast to the the pagans the hypocrites those who are doing it for all the wrong reasons right um, and I always find it very ironic on on Ash Wednesday that that we hear this right. You saying, you know, when you give alms, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You're, when you're fasting, don't let anyone know you're fasting. Anoint your head, wash your face. When you when you pray, do it in private. Mm-hmm. And Ash Wednesday, we're doing the exact opposite, right? We're putting ashes on our forehead so that everyone we see <laughs> sees it. It's like, wait a second. <laughs> there almost seems to be this, you know, duplicity yeah. in this, right? Jesus is telling us, do everything privately. And here we are doing the most public thing by putting, you know, ashes on the middle of our forehead. Yeah. Um, and what is the purpose of that, right? I mean, so so the ashes remind us that that we are sinners, right? That we but we're called to conversion. That that we're not perfect, but we're loved by God. Uh, that we're redeemed by Him. But so we hear this gospel every year, the beginning of Lent. Um, and so with, with let's start with prayer, right? Because mm-hmm. um, you'll hear different people say different things, like you know, what is the tradition of land. I'm going to give something up. And some people say, well, I'm not going to give something up this year. I'm just going to add something. Mm-hmm. I tell people, well, why not both? Mm-hmm. Right? Because, you know, there, there are three really distinct parts of, of the Lenten season that the church has embraced for, for generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, we should add prayer. Um, and so we should look at it and say, not just adding in quantity, but also quality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the gospel the other day for, for daily mass, it's don't just ramble on with your words, right? Sometimes we can do that. Mm-hmm. Say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 10, I'm going to say 100, I'm going to say 1,000 Our Fathers. We start rushing through them and counting them. We're not thinking about what we're saying, and they're not heartfelt. What's the real purpose of it? It's not, a, not more in, in the sense of just doing more things, but it's also doing it better, right? Mm-hmm. But the church offers us so many great things uh, that, that are part of the regular life of faith throughout the entire year, whether it be Eucharistic Adoration, Daily Mass, the Rosary. Uh, one of the things I'm trying to do myself this year 
is not just on Friday, but each day, pray the station of the cross, mm-hmm. right? The traditional Lenten devotion where we have, have those 14 stations, those 14 moments in, from Good Friday that help us reflect upon and, and grow in our appreciation for what our Lord endured and suffered for us, right? So there are many, many opportunities for us to increase our prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, but it's certainly the quality of our, of our prayer. And, and a big part of that is silence, mm-hmm. right? I, I, the whole time it's like, oh, what can I do for, for more prayer? Spend 15 minutes in silence. So don't fill it with just things. But we really want to be able to hear our Lord and enter into dialogue with Him. And I think one of the biggest struggles in, in our society, in our world today, certainly in my life, and, and I get it. Like I, I, you know, I pray every day. I um, obviously it's a, it's a priority in my life as, as a priest. But our lives are noisy, and it's sometimes it's tough to be quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, first and foremost, Lent is, is prayer. Because if we're not praying, if we're not talking to the Lord, then everything else just becomes about, you know, what self help. It becomes about being a, a better person. It becomes about being generous. But prayer is what makes it distinctly Christian. Mm-hmm. It, it, it what makes it distinctly religious. Because I mean, we can be generous. We we can you know give things up you know to discipline our our bodies and our, our way of life. But if it's not rooted first in prayer, then it's really not about Jesus Christ. And it always has to be about Him. Yeah. Everything that we do. Need to go back to him. Amen. We t- we touched lightly on this in the in the previous episode, and and I think we wanted to dive a little bit more into it. it is that temptation to approach Lent like it's a self help program, right? Okay, it's a it's a season where I'm going to go on the Catholic diet plan, and um, where it's rooted in while well, is of course the fasting element is good, right? To 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 start to weed out some of the things, um, changing some of your your bad eating habits, uh, perhaps, um, or you know wanting to be nicer to people, just all of these little things that are good as far as, you know, uh, good practices for you. But to your very point, Father, if it's not conformed to the cross, if it's not aimed at the salvation of a soul, if it's not uh, aimed at reparation for the sins that we've committed and not rooted towards bringing glory to God, then what is it really about? And then we talked about that before. Yeah. Right? Is that It's turning in on ourselves. And now under the guise of, Right. Hey, I'm participating in quote unquote Lent. Um, I'm really just trying to shed off 15 pounds um, and, and feel better. Yeah, well, well, the other feel better sure. about myself, you know? Yeah. And I think myself, if, if Lent is really about helping me take off the extra weight, then we're going to have to double time of Lent and make it 80 days because <laughs> I got a, I, I had a lot to lose here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, what? That's going to be a whole lot of fasting, right? Uh, I, I really celebrated Fat Tuesday, let me tell you. But, uh, <laughs> No, I mean, it, but it's true, right? I mean, it's, and I think it's good for kids. When you say give up snacks, you give up chocolate, right? Because we're trying to teach them, right. you know, the, the importance of, of, of a sacrifice, of giving up things that they like. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we did at our school this week, um, in our second grade class, they're preparing for their first communion and their first reconciliation. So we had them do this little, uh, kind of an art project of, what does Lent mean to you? Mm. And so they did, you know, had a little cross. It was a black cross. They had some water calling around it. But then they had a little, uh, they had to write up and type out sort of what Lent means to me. And, and one of the ones that really just touched me, it's for the second graders, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's simple, but it's, but it's also very honest. Mm-hmm. 
And so one of the kids wrote, uh, during Lent, I'm giving up my tablet. It's very hard for me to give up my tablet, but instead I'm going to pray more. Mm-hmm. I love Jesus so much, and I want to pray whenever I want. On Ash Wednesday, we receive ashes, which mean we aren't perfect, but we, will, but we want to be like Jesus forever. And I think to myself, like, wow. if, I, if, if everyone in my parishioners could understand <laughs> Lent the way the second grader does, Amen. how great would it be? Like, I'm giving up something that's hard for me to give up. Right. Because mm-hmm. because or it's conditional because I want to pray more mm-hmm. because I'm attached to the things of this world. Right. So our Lenten sacrifices, um, it's not just about um, making ourselves look better. And the reason it's so often food. And, and I think it is a good thing mm-hmm. that, you know, that the sacrifice that we're making uh, is some of eat or drink, because one of the one of the, some of the biggest temptations we have are our bodily temptations, right? Mm -hmm. So um, hunger, sexual desires um, are a big part of of who we are and a a big part of what a lot of people struggle with, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes maybe it's it's eating too much or drinking too much. They're they're sexual sins. And it is all about us being enslaved to our physical passions. Amen. (laughs) Um, And so the reason we fast from food or that we make those sacrifices is to tell our body, I am not a slave to my body, mm-hmm. that, that my immortal soul is, is greater than this. And, and I'm not going to be enslaved and give in to every desire, every urge that my body has. And so we need to, to train and discipline our body. And so that's why we give up, you know, foods that we like. Um, but it's something that, you know, we shouldn't just do during Lent. We should do this, year round. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, in the olden days, people would never eat meat on Fridays year round, not just mm-hmm. the, the week of Lent. Um, but Friday, the day that our Lord died, we, we should make it a practice of saying, what am I doing that is sacrificial? You know, maybe it's no cream in my coffee or no dessert or doing something or maybe even a fast day. There's, there's, fasting once a week on just bread and water is a great way to to discipline our body. Because if not, if we just give in to every time we're hungry, That's right. every time we're thirsty, when the bigger urges come on, like the sexual urges, then how do we have control over them? Yeah. We're just enslaved to those passions. And so we need to discipline our body. Well, if you think, so, about, you think about some of the biggest struggles we have today is with regards to this very concept, right? Of self-mastery. Uh, the thing mm-hmm. the catechism puts it this way, right? That if either man governs his passion or, and finds peace, or he is ruled by a bold and were dominated yeah. by them and becomes unhappy. And yet this is exactly what the world, the culture is just, you know, overwhelmingly telling people, right? Just do you get yours, you know, if it feels good, do it. And yet the will, right, is letting the body know in this moment of fasting that who's really in charge, right? That I'm not going to be at the, you know, we're not dogs, you know, we're not, we're not exactly. animals in that sense. We're rational beings with a soul that um, where our actions have consequences, um, but it's it's so true, Father, that I think those little practices, so for the listeners out there, for, you know, we think about some of those, the, what are those simple things um, that you can implement, not just during Lent, but even throughout your normal course of everyday life and trying to grow in holiness and virtue is, it's exactly what you said, Father. Maybe, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have that second cup of coffee. I'm going to offer mm-hmm. it up because, you know, I often say this where I'll give up something because I know my, my son or daughter has a, a, an exam today. They're stressed out about mm-hmm. it. My wife's got sure. a contentious meeting today. You know, Father Jay is dealing with this issue over there. I'm going to I'm gonna skip a meal 
for his special intention. Like there's so great, much- a great, a great, great idea, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> I, I'm gonna. I feel like I'm gonna be starving if I do a lot for you, Father. I'd be like, Gosh, Father, quit sending me your petitions. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but the I, um, that no, I was gonna say, but those are. I think when we attach it, I think that's the beauty about this 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 Lenten journey where we can put ourselves in that mindset that hopefully can carry out through beyond Lent is where yeah. we can. We can train the will. Cause like you said, if you, if you're just responding to every feeling good, bad, or otherwise, uh, you know, uh, and just, you're just kind of, you know, wishy-washy with it versus saying, no, you know what? It's probably not good that I have, you know, that whole 12 pack of beer, right. Or it's probably sure. not good that I go and have three pieces of cake that yeah. you're telling. Let me go back to yeah, go uh, what our Lord said too mm-hmm. for a second about fasting. I think there, there are two very practical tips with this. Mm-hmm. When our Lord says, you know, wash your face, not your head, let, let no one know that you're fasting. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and there, there's some good reasons for that. Right? One, I don't think it's a good idea to always kind of tell other people what we're giving up for Lent. Right. Because we don't want to go into this spiritual pride, right. Of like, Oh, you know, you're giving up, you know, sugar in your coffee. Well, I'm giving up coffee altogether, you know, and then it becomes kind of like, um, and I learned this from a, a friend of mine who's a, a former Trappist priest. And mm. one day we were sitting around dinner, like, Oh, what are you doing for Lent? And he was like, we don't talk about that. And I was kind of like, Oh, okay. You know, I never even thought about it. And he's like, you don't want to, that's between us and God. Right. So we want to guard against spiritual pride. Right. Cause I think sometimes we think about pride just in a worldly sense, but there can be spiritual pride as well that we don't want to mm. fall into. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also another, another part of not letting people know you're fasting, uh, as well. And, and that is how it affects us. You know, use the example of not having that sep- second cup of coffee. Well, if our spiritual, uh, sacrifice, our Lenten sacrifice is making us miserable, cranky people, mm-hmm. then that's, that's letting people know, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> time that if, you know, if, if, you know, we normally drink six cups of coffee a day and we're giving it up and we are a miserable person. Give something else up. Yeah. You know, because other people are going to know that because Lent's about us being more joyful disciples, not about us being jerks because we're miserable because we're on this, you know, caffeine withdrawal. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. So I think those are just kind of some two practical things about that our, our Lenten sacrifice should not be someone else's penance. Exactly. Yeah. Great, great point because I think it, 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 it actually, uh, scandalizes, right? Cause it's just like, what kind of, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't show the power of, of the prayer, the fasting, whatever it is we're talking about. It doesn't show that it actually shows the exact opposite. Like who wants to join yeah. that church, right? Who wants to go through that? Yeah. You know? And I say that from, from personal experience Yeah, that I tried giving him coffee one year. Yeah. Not, not, not good. Bad <laughs> idea. For everybody. That's good self-knowledge. Yeah. Everybody has to discern it, right, Father? People have to exactly. have to discern what may be good for one person, maybe not good for the other. Um, yeah. And, and think, that may be one of those conversations when I say don't talk to other people. That may be a conversation for, for married people there. Have mm-hmm. your spouse, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> if, your wife, if your wife's telling you, dude, have a coffee, then there you go. <laughs> you can work on your, your, uh, your Lenten sacrifices together. You know, you bring up a good, just as a married person, somebody who went through Exodus 90, which is the 90-day, you know, spiritual yep. asceticism and, and it's super intense my wife's going through the fiat 90 um kind of uh, mimics exodus 90 but we had to we have that discussion right hey are, are we okay mm-hmm. with us going through this because it does affect 
every the other person, right? Especially in a, in a, in a marriage. Yeah. Because sure. if, if, and so you ultimately end up going through it together because you want to be supportive of that, that, you know, that whole process. Um, but great, great point there. Let's go back to prayer though, father. So I think we talked, uh, you know, fasting, I think people are probably getting that point, but let's go back to prayer because I think you made a, a fundamental point there that it, it is, it is the point prayer is going to be that if it's not rooted in prayer and we just do the fasting and even the almsgiving, then you're really tempted to, it can be very self-serving. Right. So if you just mm-hmm. focus on fasting and, and the charitable act, acts of it all, um, which are good in and of themselves, but if they're not associated with and, and rooted in prayer and in this, the spiritual aspect, which is the point growing in mm-hmm. your spiritual life during Lent. Um, yeah, we're missing the whole point on there. So some practical. I know you talked about silence, which I, I wanted to jump on, jump back on that one in particular is, you know, you talk about eliminating the distraction and the noise of this world. And, um, you, you find, you find God in that silence, you know, that's where you're going to encounter God, right. In the whisper, mm-hmm. I, I think about, you know, the, the stories in, in, in the old Testament, um, was it Elijah, I believe, um, or maybe an Isaiah, right. So you hear him in the, in the thunder or, or, or you know, sure. the storm that you heard in the, the quiet whisper of the wind. And, yeah. and I think that's the same goes for us is that you're not going to, in the busyness, even in some of these quote unquote penitential acts that you're doing, you may not find God there. Therefore, why is prayer so important during the season Correct. of Lent? Yeah. You know, Cardinal Sarah wrote a wonderful book called the power of silence mm-hmm. that I, I'd recommend to everyone. It, it's, it's deep. Yep. It, it's, it's, it's thick. It's, it's not a, you know, uh, a Grisham novel, right. uh, you know, but I mean, you really, you have to kind of go back to some things, but there it's obviously the fruit of, this man's own experience of, of silence because it, it, it's in that time of quiet that, you know, the Lord can really speak to us because he's not going to be shaking us, you know, and saying, look at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our Lord does sort of give us that, that freedom to, to make our own mistakes. Um, and he's there, you know, like the, uh, the story of the, the prodigal son, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's a father who gives us the freedom, take, take all the stuff and go. And, you know, hoping and praying that, you know, we're going to return. Um, but also recognize we may not, but that there's some people who just never come to that awareness that, that what they're doing is destructive and, and hurting their relationship with the Lord and, and others. But, um, that, that silence is so important for us to really kind of get to the heart of the Lord's voice inside of us. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it is, it takes a, a lot to, to hear that. And I, I hear a lot in spiritual direction when people come to me, it's like, well, I do not hear the Lord speaking to me. I don't know what the Lord wants. Mm. And, but so often we were not giving him that the real opportunity to speak to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we go into prayer and it's like, Lord, I, I want you to speak to me. Lord, I, I got this going on. We're going on it. We do all the talking and then we're like, you never said anything to me. Well, we don't shut up. Mm-hmm. And it's, just, it's I hate to be so kind of rude about it there, but we need to shut up. Um, and it ain't easy. Mm-hmm. Um, because what's one of the things that we, we see in, in our society so often is like, we, we don't know how to listen. Yeah. Right. People are in conversation where we're listening only to respond. We're not listening to comprehend. And so we're, we're already working on our next response and we have a tough time hearing 
hearing people, hearing what they're saying. Um, and so we really need that inner silence. So it's not just a matter of just shutting the TV off or shutting the radio off in the car. It, it's really, it is an art form and it's not easy. And sometimes it's even tough for me to kind of put into words what that means. I mean, I know what it, it looks like and I know what it feels like, but sometimes it's like, how do you really quiet yourself? Uh, and it doesn't happen just once, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like saying, okay, hey, I gave the Lord 15, 20 minutes. I gave the Lord an hour. I didn't say anything. I was quiet. I had no TV. I had no cell phone. That silence is um, a continuous thing, right? It's going to be a part of our, our life, right? Um, where we could say, am, am I really creating this this time for my life? Because at first it's hard, mm-hmm. right? If people aren't used to being quiet um, and listening to the Lord, you know, 15 minutes seems like an eternity. Mm-hmm. But then once you get that to sort of be the, the norm, mm-hmm. it's really exercise, right? Mm-hmm. I imagine for, for, I mean, I don't exercise enough, mm-hmm. but it's like you go to the gym and, you know, it's like you get on the, the treadmill and you start running. 15 minutes, you're like, wow, it, it feels like I've been running for four days. Mm-hmm. And you look at the clock, and it's like, this has only been 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's other days where it just it becomes, you do it with ease, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's just, it's, um, and, and prayer is the same way, that we, we have to create these habits. Um, because in that, where, where silence becomes easy for us, but it takes time. Mm-hmm. Just like exercise, just like a relationship. Um, but it, but it's in that quiet time we realize why we're doing this. Because mm-hmm. it's only, you know, it, it's, I imagine the same for relationships, right? Where you've got a very busy life, right? You've had a very busy couple of weeks, mm-hmm. you know, you kids, grandkids, jobs, doing all the, the stuff for your parish. The, and how easy is it for you and your wife to sort of just be like roommates sometimes? Well, hey, I, I saw you, I'll see you next Tuesday, yeah. right? Because... Yeah, it takes time to say, okay, we need time for each other. We need to be deliberate about saying, I just want to, want to sit on the couch and, and just talk to you mm-hmm. and just no TV, no kids around, no cell phones and just tell me about your day. Mm-hmm. Um, where if you don't create that, it's easy to kind of, and I, I know this from, from couples I speak to, it's like, when was the last time you just sat down with no phone, no distractions and had a conversation with your spouse. Right. And you look at, at, at and when you, when you put it in those terms and you see people and their face drops and they realize, I can't remember. It's been that long. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, but like a relationship, like our physical health, our relationship with our Lord requires that, that daily effort. Yeah. You know, you quote, you mentioned the book, uh, The Power of Silence from uh, Cardinal uh, uh, Seurat, and um, it was one of his powerful quotes in there, he says, you know, although speech characterizes man, silence is what defines him. And, yep. you know, you think about uh, what uh, Pope St. John Paul II has said about it, just being really silent, and even Pope Emeritus Benedict, but they speak to um, two concepts of, that silence, Father, you know why it's difficult. And I, I was that person, but I love silence now. I love sitting in Adoration Chapel and, you know, an hour will fly by. Our, next thing mm-hmm. you know, it's an hour and a half. And I just love being, of course, in front of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, but just in that silence. But JP2 would say it's it part of that issue. And this speaks to my experience was reason why we struggle with science is because we, because of fear of meeting ourselves. 
right? In that silence, yep. when we encounter God, yep. we also encounter ourselves. And then you got to face mm -hmm. all that stuff, right? Um, and, and you got to face, uh, I think Pope Emeritus Benedict talked about you're, you're naked, right? You're, you now encounter yourself in nakedness. And so when you don't have, um, you know, the comfort of your job and your, and your task and all the things that make us feel quote unquote important, you know, I'm saying significant now when you're just left to silence, it's like, I don't have any of those things to self-medicate or to. And this is why it. a lot of people avoid it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's why I avoided it for so long. And, and now, sure. yeah, now, like you said, so for the listeners out there, but once, I mean, if you just start, maybe start with this in a Lenten practice, maybe you're going to start with, you know, during Lent every week, you're going to add five minutes. Maybe you're going to start five minutes and just silence. And then you're going to add 10 yeah. minutes the following week or maybe a few days after, and then just build it up. And then you'll come to find out that you've been drinking, you know, you've been drinking Kool-Aid the whole time and now you've got freshly squeezed orange juice, right? And it's, mm -hmm. it tastes way better um, instead of sure. this manufactured engineered stuff. So I, Amen. You know, I think that's the other part of it, too, just for the listeners out there from personal experience. I struggled with silence for such a long time because I was actually fearful of meeting myself in that silence and facing all of the wounds and the things that I know I needed to change in my life. And so, um, you know, we need we need to enter into to prayer. Uh, and, and a big part of that is silence. So you don't just have to be audible and mechanical and routine and rote. Um, it, it could be just how about just listening to what God has to tell you? Let them work in your heart. Let them work uh, in, in your soul. Um, so the last thing on this, Father, is almsgiving. You know, how, yeah. how can we best describe and give some practical tips for our listeners out there? Um, this is the charitable part, right? We think about prayer yeah. and fasting being the part of humility. And uh, this is the, the other aspect of charity. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone, religious, non-religious, would, would agree that being generous, being kind, caring for those who are less fortunate is a good thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Mm -hmm. um, but what makes it particularly Christian or, or religious or spiritual? And so again, it goes back to that that prayer of you know how how am I doing this for and, and with and because of Jesus in my life? And so when we're giving alms, yes, is it helping someone else? I mean, we're we're, we're being generous, whatever we want to call it. Um, we're, we're helping those less fortunate, which in and of itself is a beautiful, good, and holy thing. Mm -hmm. But we're also doing it for ourselves. When we give away our own resources, right? If we write out uh, a check, if we are going to work at a soup kitchen or a homeless shelter, what we're doing is we're detaching ourselves from the things of this world. You know, when, we, when I say, all right, I'm going to give you know, 20% of my paycheck this week to... The, the soup local soup kitchen or the, the boys club, whatever, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. um, you, that may hurt a little bit because that's a, and it should. I mean, our arms giving is not from our excess. Mm -hmm. It's from our need, right? You know, Jesus talks about the woman who's putting two small coins in, in comparison to all these people who are putting large sums of money. Like she's giving more because she's not giving what she doesn't need. She's giving the money that she would use for food and medicine or for, for rent or whatever it may be that she's giving because she's saying I'm totally putting my life in God's providence. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but she's also, saying, I'm detaching myself from all of these things of the world. Um, and, and this is something that we all struggle with. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, as a priest, I, I try to live a simple life. I think myself, my iPhone was always in my hand. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, you know, I gotta, you know, I, I 
you know, no, I, I want to, to look nice, right? I want, you know, nice clothes or drive a nice car or, but it's like, we have this attachment to those things of this world. And there's nothing wrong with having good things. I remember being at Franciscan University um, and, and learning the value of, of this lesson, right? Where uh, one of the friars was celebrating a, an important anniversary and the friars had got together and bought him a, a real nice set of golf clubs. And uh, I'm a golfer, so I, I kind of know what this cost me myself. Like, these are friars. These are people who took a vow of poverty. And here they are with this really nice set of golf clubs that's better than mine. I didn't take a vow of poverty. Um, and someone said, you know, it's not about owning things, but whether the, those things own you. Mm-hmm. Right? And so this friar's like, you can take them. It's like, yeah, I'll use them. I'll, I'll enjoy them. But if I don't have them or if someone else wants them, Okay, they don't own me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think when we are generous with, with what we have, when we freely give, not of just our, our surplus of, of what we have that's extra, but when we give of what we need, what we're saying is, I, I, I'm trying to detach myself from these worldly things. Mm-hmm. Remembering in the back of our mind, our Lord will never be outdone in generosity. That's right. Right, so when, we, when we're generous, when we give to to the church, when we give to the poor, when we give to those who are in need in any way, the Lord's going to reward that. And it doesn't mean like, okay, I gave uh, you know a thousand dollars to the soup kitchen. You know, our Lord's going to give me two thousand dollars, you know, on on a lottery ticket. You know, mm-hmm. but our Lord blesses us, and it, and we see this over and over again. The people who have given their life the Lord for his church, people who have made huge sacrifices, our Lord always, without exception, rewards them. Amen. And, and Jesus promises us. You know, St. Peter you know, kind of says that a little bit in a very human way. Lord, look, you know, we've given up everything. We've given up what, you know, our families, our homes, our jobs to follow you. What is it? What's in it for us here? Mm-hmm. Like, because Jesus starts talking about... Um, you know, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle for rich man. It's like, you think of myself, like, how many sacrifices can we make? Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, there is no one who has given up all of these things who will not be rewarded in the life to come 30, 60, 100 fold. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's, you know, really trying to spiritualize our, our sacrifices, our almsgiving. And the only way to do that is obviously to root it in prayer. Mm-hmm. So to kind of bring it full circle a little bit, yes, the the three hallmarks, the three sort of pillars of, of Lenten devotions and practices, it starts with prayer. Um, it's that relationship with our Lord that allows our sacrifices, our acts of generosity to make sense and to rise above just the mere uh, human level of self-improvement or um, being generous, but doing it for the Lord, doing with the Lord, doing because of the Lord. Amen. Amen, Father. Well, we have reached that point yet again. Time always flies when I'm hanging with you, Father. Um, Amen. Where, <laughs> where we, uh, we've, we will bring this show to conclusion. So I want to thank you, Father, for sharing your wisdom with us and your reflection, um, also for your priesthood and all that you're doing, uh, you know, for the souls out there underneath your uh, care. I forgot to do it on the last episode, but I would ask for your uh, blessing upon us, all the listeners and myself, if you don't mind doing your priestly duty. Sure. 
through the intercession of our Blessed Mother, St. Joseph, St. Michael the Archangel, may Almighty God bless you and all those who are listening. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, for Father Jay and myself, we thank you again for joining us for another episode of Q&A with Father Jay. As always, we ask you to like, follow, subscribe, rate us on Apple Tunes, Google, or Apple Tunes, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. Um, please send us whatever questions you may want us to help answer. And uh, we, uh, we ask that you continue to keep us in prayer, and we'll do the same for you. And until then, God be with you.